that feeling of letting your family down by not having a house and being outside the social norms and all of the weight and the pressure and so on. The other day I bumped into my mum at the park and I had no idea who she was for a good five minutes or so. Oh, it made me feel so old. <laughs> As someone who can usually remember all the names of the kids in the classroom just from the morning drop-offs, I admit it was quite insulting to my confidence. She seemed to know enough about me. Are you still doing the podcasting? How old's Quinn now? How are the boys? Ouch. Eventually, it sunk in. We laughed and held as much as a conversation as you can with a toddler each to contend with. I reckon our guest today has been faced with several similar situations with seven kids to her name. She must have 7,000 or more memories to share and she reminds us that life moves fast, forgetting a name here or there is not the biggest catastrophe and our lives are here for the living. I'm Linda Bonney and this is Stories with a Sunday Roast. Christina, welcome to the community. Thank you so much for joining us. I thought the best place to start would be just to fill us in a little bit about your family and what that means to you and what that looks like because I know it's a little different from many others and you've certainly been on your own journey with a lot of that as well. So tell us where you are and what you are and who that means to you. Oh, yay. That's so many things. <laughs> <laughs> Diving right in. Diving right in. So I am a mum of seven children. Uh, we had them fairly close together. So we've got seven children in the space of 10 years. So life has been hectic and continues to be hectic. Um, but I wouldn't trade it for the world because I love it. So mum of seven kids, beautiful husband who supports me in the work that I do so that I can, you know, do the work that I do in the world, which is, you know, treat people for their health conditions. But I couldn't do that without my family supporting me all of the way. So that's a little bit about who I am uh, and our uniqueness. Um, yeah. Anything else you want to know? And you, you also homeschool yes. as well. Yes, we do homeschool. We've homeschooled yep. from the very beginning because of a whole bunch of reasons. But the main one was I was doing my teacher training. And I remember sitting there one day, you know, my husband and I were at the point of like we were engaged and we we're about to get married and then we were thinking about babies straight away and just thinking that these little people are giving their best hours of their day to their teacher and then they go home and the parent gets the worst hours of the day. And if I'm working, I'm giving my best hours of my day to other people's children and then my children are getting you know, not my best hours of the day. And we were questioning, is that what we actually want to do? Or do we want to do something that's a little bit outside of the box? And maybe let's try and give each other the best hours of the day, as well as being able to have that unique sort of experience of guiding our children through learning. And I can say, I think one of my proudest moments was, of course, when my first daughter learnt to read and I got to go, oh, my God, uh-huh. I did that. <laughs> I was there with her yeah. through all of that. Yeah. So, yes, that's another unique mm. part of our family. And do you think you enjoy the best parts of your day? I imagine that would be a challenge consistently day in, day out to find that. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> like, 
it's, you know, it's not all skipping through the fields with rainbows and birds and butterflies and so on. It is real life uh, and real life is messy and mm. it's all over the place. Mm. But it means we get to oh, yes. learn to be yeah. gracious and, very and patient, kind and very compassionate to each time. other, Definitely. Um, <laughs> which I'm um, sure all of us have to do as parents. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Were you? Which I'm not always, by at the way. Any stage, just, just to clear up any any misconceptions, there, I'm right definitely not for your children always. as they started to age and everything like that. A hundred percent, always. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. that's a decision. I think I think a parent in any space, whether it be that they're homeschooling or or schooling, or whether they're sending their kids to you know different sporting events or anything, I think as parents we all question: Are we doing the right thing? Are we doing a good job? Have we got our kids in too many activities? Do we have them in not enough activities? Uh, do mm-hmm. they have enough access to friends? Do they have too much access to friends? Like. I think it's something that universally we all as parents worry about. And certainly from the decision of homeschooling our children, my husband and I have always reserved the right to change our mind at any time, uh, which gave us enormous amounts of freedom to go at any point. We can change our mind and we can do something different. If this doesn't work for us anymore, we can do something different. But of course, having gone through so many pregnancies, and my pregnancies aren't easy pregnancies. Like I'm pretty much got a head in a bucket the whole time I'm pregnant. And so there were moments during that experience in particular where I was deeply concerned that, you know, I was doing the wrong thing by my children because I didn't necessarily have the best of me to give to them because like I was really, really sick. Uh, and um, I remember this one day, one of my sons had been outside playing and he came inside and he wanted to show me this bug that he had found. And he just started to rattle off. He was about four at the time, rattle off all of this information about this bug, like where it lived, what it liked to eat, the different parts of it and all of the things. <laughs> and it was kind of in that moment that I went, <sighs> leaving them alone, they can learn so much when you just allow them to learn versus forcing them to learn a particular thing like in that moment he just he became an encyclopedia around bugs and it wasn't something I would have taught him because I don't really love bugs he absolutely (laughs) loves them but he learned that because he just was able to embed himself in the passion that he had Mm -hmm. and my kids come out with that type of stuff all of the time I'm like where did you get this from oh I've been listening to this science podcast yeah. One, one of my daughters at the moment, you know, we purchased Skillshare for our kids and um, she's learning neuroscience. She's 13 and she's like learning neuroscience right now because she can and she yeah. wants to. Mm. And I think really the dream for us as adults is to be able to immerse ourselves in things we love and follow Absolutely. our passions. And we spend a lot of our adult life getting frustrated we can't do that mm-hmm. and wondering what went wrong or what we can do better or why we have to slave a lot of the time in the nine to five and that mm-hmm. sort of thing as well. So, yeah, just going backwards uh, for a second, were you ever in a traditional type nine to five job? I was, yes. When I was at uni, that's when I was in those sort of nine to five type jobs I worked at the university I also had a job at spotlight for a time and so yes I had those types of jobs 
but I always found it really challenging. Um, I find it hard to imagine, actually. It's, it's just, oh, like, I don't know if I've asked you that question before. Yeah, yeah. I, I found it. I found it really challenging. The university was was quite good, but also I would would see the flaws, and I would go, "This just doesn't make sense." There's so much money being wasted uh-huh. here, um, uh-huh. just for the sake of wasting money. And the same with with the spotlight. I was like, "Oh, there's some things here that could be different, that could make this better." but I was not in the position to do any of that type of stuff. So I felt completely frustrated. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, I, I'm guessing that was pre-kids as well. So you didn't even really have the drive or the motivation to provide for family as much as you do now with seven kids and yes. everything else like that as well. Mm. Yeah, it was definitely pre-kids. Yeah. Exactly. Tell me a little bit about what it looks like in finding a place for nine of you with all very different needs or uniquenesses and everything else. How have you found the community opportunities and the aspect of just simply housing um, mm-hmm. it's itself? Tell me a little bit about that journey. So housing is one of those really interesting things that I hadn't really thought about because I, I remember essentially previously when we'd gone to look for houses, when it was just like Ben and I, it was just a few of the kids 10 years ago, 15 years ago, you basically just like rocked up the house, had a look around, went, yep, I really like it. I'll take it. Like that's how it pretty much worked. Yeah. Um, you didn't have to lot. go. In, it has <laughs> changed immensely. You didn't have to go do police reports. You didn't have to show them finances or anything like that. You just said, yes, I would like it. Here's the bond and off you go. And then I think the real eye opener was for us because we, we'd been transitioning from, from different houses and then we moved to our favourite house, which was this beautiful house that was, it was three bedroom. They had this beautiful wraparound veranda and there was a slide off of the veranda uh, and had a beautiful garden and space and double garage and like a treatment room that I could have used for treating patients and stuff in. And it was our favourite house and we fully intended to like live there for as long as we possibly could and hopefully buy the house at some point in time. But we got to the point where our current landlords at that time they wanted to purchase themselves a new house and they wanted to sell the house we were in and they wanted Mm -hmm. to sell it empty and that meant they needed us out because they wanted to do some renovations to upgrade and kind of you know get some more money for their house and so on and so we were given 60 days notice that our rental agreement would be over and we needed to find somewhere else and so that was right around Christmas so we had December and January essentially to find the house and uh, of course there was this window where we've got Christmas and New Year's that like pretty much ruled out houses being available because real estates were on holidays etc so when we boiled it down we had basically six weeks really to find a house and it was my first eye-opener to what is now the current market and this was still six years ago now um, Mm -hmm. what is now the current market which was, you know, the bidding wars that were there, that if you offered a bit more, yeah. you might get the house. And that we had to get, you know, police checks and financial reports. And we had to have a financial report every 14 days. And so it was just this nightmare of applying for houses. And there wasn't enough houses and too many people to rent. And, of course, on paper, yeah, 
it's well it's even worse now I think Mm. Um, but at that point in time on paper having seven kids doesn't necessarily look good compared to a professional couple that you know maybe don't even have any pets or anything like that and so the competition was wild and we literally applied for um, well over a hundred houses in that time and we didn't get any, any of them there was actually one where the real estate agent had talked the landlords into taking us because we had like good references at the time and so the real estate agent talked talked the landlords into taking us and we're like great we've got a house yes here we go and then the current tenants that were in it suddenly decided that they weren't leaving oh my gosh and so it was this massive roller coaster ride and for me I was starting to get a little bit panicked uh, and when Naturally. I get panicked mm. The thing that I do is action. What action can I take that's going to give me some sort of plan? And I think four weeks out, I went, we need a storage unit. Because if we end up with no house, we have to have somewhere to put our things that we love and we're going to have to camp. Mm. And so we got a storage unit and we started moving our stuff into it. And the hope was that we would just move our stuff into the storage unit magically a house would appear and we would get it and we'd move in and we'd just move the stuff from the storage unit back into the new house and it would be all fine well that didn't happen we moved our stuff into the storage unit and then we booked a place to camp just in case and lo and behold we didn't get anything and we had to move into this into our tents essentially which in some ways is really horrible but in other ways Mm. at that time it wasn't that detrimental to me at that time because we'd done it before where we'd lived in tents and traveled Tasmania a little bit before, you know, having a few more babies. So I was like, we can do this. We can do this. It'll be fine. Maybe this is our time to go do that trip around Australia that we've always talked about doing. Uh, <laughs> and we set up this, our camp, but we hadn't got to the point of really culling down and sorting out what do we actually need to go camp and travel and see Tasmania because it was it was summer at that, that time so it would have been good thank god oh, yes <laughs> except <laughs> so we had too much essentially at our base camp and our goal was we'll, we'll just finish packing up the house clean everything we'll go land at this base camp and then we'll take a few days to rest and recuperate and then we'll sort out what we need what we don't need put it, what we don't need back into the storage unit what can we can fit in the trailer and all of those things and then we'll figure out what we're going to do from there well, we were, we had the, the fires at that time in the Launceston area. And so that was a concern because we actually weren't that far from the, from the fires. But the next thing that happened was we had a flood. So before we actually got to the opportunity of culling through those things and seeing what would fit in our trailer and putting stuff in storage, we were flooded out. And I just remember these moments where my kids are in the car and they're like screaming because they're sick of being in the car because we'd, you know, just done something mm-hmm. that day, like the laundry, et cetera. And they were like, mm-hmm. I just wanted to get out. And you as a mum would probably understand that experience. Oh, yes. But it's yes. bucketing down rain and we're trying to empty out these tents. We're trying to pack down the tents. We're trying to put everything in the trailer and in the van and, you know, keep the kids inside the van while we're wet mm-hmm. from head to toe. Uh, and it turned out that we couldn't fit everything in. We couldn't fit everything that we had. So we got to the point where we just had to start throwing our belongings in a garbage bin. Uh, And we had the kids' bikes with us there at the park where we were staying, and we we left those with the managers and said, can we just keep these here because we can't fit them in? 
we um, pretty much stripped off, got into the car in our underwear because everything else was sopping wet and then drove away from that campsite going, I don't know what we're doing next. We drove to Kmart to get some new clothes. <laughs> Dry. Dry clothes, <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. And then while my husband was in Kmart, you know, trying to get some dry clothes, I was messaging to a friend and they said, just come to our place, come to our place. And so we went to their place. We stayed a couple of nights and recouped, but we still had nowhere really to live. And then was flooding everywhere. Um, but thankfully, my sister was in Hobart and we drove down to Hobart to, to come and stay with her, which was the start of us finding a house in Hobart uh, and relocating. But I think it was very traumatic at the time. Mm. Do your kids remember it much? Um, I don't know how much they remember. Like I think they remember the stories more than the actual event. They might remember bits and pieces. I don't think they really remember like the flood and all of that type of stuff. I think they remember that they enjoyed having the park to play with because it was right there and they enjoyed being at the caravan park that we were at. But, um, yeah, I don't think they remember lots about the flood just that mum was stressed. Mm. Yeah. And quite often when we're stressed, a lot of things can fall apart pretty quickly, pretty easily. Um, Absolutely. And that sort of thing. So, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. I remember mm-hmm. there was a moment where, I, like, I just couldn't help myself crying and my husband turned to me and he said, can you just stop crying? And I'm like, you don't understand. I actually can't. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. I was like all of the emotions of like, you know, that feeling of letting your family down by not having a house and being outside the social norms and all of the weight and the pressure and so on, which I think is really interesting because now as we reflect, because we're, we're literally cleaning out a house right now as I speak to you so that yep. we can go move into our van and tent. <laughs> yeah, full circle. But the, Full circle, absolutely full circle. (laughs) But the difference is this time it's via choice versus having no other choice. So tell me a little bit about that next great adventure. Why and how and what are your dreams and aspirations for the next chapter? Yeah, so we've always had a desire to kind of travel. You see some of the travel or the van lifers on Instagram and so on. Uh, And we've always had that desire to actually do it, but not really feeling like we were able to, especially Mm. while I was having babies. So the last time that we traveled, we drove down from Queensland, we traveled around Tasmania. I was 34 weeks pregnant. Um, And so, you know, (laughs) still having babies, it was, it was quite challenging to do that when you've got little kids and you're pregnant and all of those types of things. So we settled for quite some time, but now the baby kind of stuff is over. Our kids are older and a little bit more functional in the sense of actually being able to be helpful, not just pretend helpful, but really Mm. actually helpful. And we were planning to actually go in 2020. We were a month off of leaving before the lockdown started so we've been priming and preparing for this for like two years and finally Mm -hmm. now it feels like it's actually real but the dream the vision is to go and spend as much time on as many beaches as we possibly can but also for me I have a secret desire that's not so secret because I keep telling people to learn about our indigenous like herbs and foods and cultures and those types of things that are indigenous to Australia and how do we use them and um 
teach my family that and put it up on YouTube and do all of those types of things and have it as a real exploration for my children. Because if you think about it from a learning perspective, there's one thing to look at a map and go, oh yeah, here's where all the things are. There's mm-hmm. another thing to experience the map. Absolutely. Uh, and so that's what we're, we're doing in this process is experiencing the map. Yeah. Yeah. I can really relate to that after trotting around Europe and wondering, you know, let's try this little town just outside the big touristy places. And we'd both never been to Poland before and actually absolutely loved Poland and saw so much there and the kids learnt so much more than they see in media about things like people passing in and out of Poland quite a lot at the moment to go home to Ukraine and that sort of thing. So there's so much that they were able to soak in mm-hmm. consciously and subconsciously as well. It's hard to exactly put into words. I am curious about the unknowns and how having nine of you, how that can I guess, not be managed so much, but how that might have played out in the past or that sort of thing. Because I know with traveling, sometimes plans would change really rapidly mm-hmm. and sometimes plans would change for the better or the worst or we'd miss a train by three minutes and that would be <laughs> us on trains for the next six hours because we didn't get that connection and all sorts of things like that. Tell me a little bit about the unknowns and the possibilities and how you can prepare both yourself and your family alongside that yeah so I think having had the experience of the homelessness and moving to that campsite and having to throw away our belongings and those types of things there has been this level of anxiety in me about traveling But the thing that I've really had to focus on is, am I going to let that anxiety rob me of a beautiful experience that we could be having uh, in that and building the dream and the vision and really tapping into the why of why we actually want to go do this trip and why we want to travel versus just thinking about the scary stuff. But Uh from the perspective of that fear thing, the way that I have uh, essentially been managing it is to create plans. Like it's Murphy's law. If you've got a plan, you'll never need to use it. But if you don't have one, uh-huh. then you're probably going to need to use it. And so it's yeah. taking those those extra steps to, you know, make sure I've got friends' houses that we can go to if there's an emergency or there's another lockdown or there's something else that might happen. Making sure we've got things like car insurance and those types of things to actually help us along from that perspective. But also, you know, connecting in with my husband to go, are we good? Can we, can we help each other through this? Uh, this is going to be a growth opportunity for us all. And from what I've heard from other families that the first three to six weeks can be like, I think we should turn around. <laughs> what but, are we doing? I remember yeah, exactly. my family decided to travel across the Malibor in the early 90s in an old beat up Ford, which was ambitious because we were, I think, maybe seven and five at the time. And we got to Baghdad, which is 
what an hour from from here and my younger sister said how much longer are we there yet <laughs> I actually remember the look on their faces when they just turned to each other and were like oh my gosh <laughs> it's gonna be a long <laughs> couple of weeks <laughs> so yeah 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 so yes. I'm imagining all of that type of stuff but you know we hope that it will bring our family closer together in the end we have a unique sort of window where my eldest is 18 and she's not yet really in the space of wanting to go off and do her own things at this point. So we've got this window of opportunity where our kids are getting older, but won't be, won't be as flexible for much longer. You know, they'll want to start going off in their own career paths and building relationships mm -hmm. and doing all those things. So this, this kind of window where we're like, if there was any time for us to do this as a whole family, now is the time to do it. And I've I've read of other families who have left older children behind. And I'm just like, oh, that feels so sad to me to not how, be able to take them on that experience. Yeah. I know, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And it's something as well, I think, that your children will they'll gain so much from the actual experience. But then looking back on it in five, ten years, they'll also think, wow, that was actually I'm still getting benefit from it now I, I know in some of my experiences thinking back five ten years ago I'm actually still learning or still reflecting or growing from some of those experiences in different ways with whatever else is happening in my life as well mm -hmm. so yeah yeah yeah. And and that's our hope too is that not just you know we hope that our family comes closer together but also that our kids get to experience us doing the things that fill up our cups and make us joyful and happy and they get to experience that part of us as well not that they're not now but there's more oh yes and I think it can be you get into the ho-hum of routine of yeah that's absolutely necessary at times but then at other times you think gosh there has to be more than this more than mm -hmm. just telling you to find your pants and where's your other sock <laughs> and put your shoes on and oh my gosh where is the shoe <laughs> can only find one shoe oh <laughs> so very often yep i hear you there um so we're hoping to move past that stuff but also to get to that point where the kids experience some of our history by actually being in the places that that history took place. So we're all hoping to learn from this experience. Hopefully we'll all survive and no one will kill each other. Um, <laughs> yes, we might have to check back in, you know, yeah. in a year, year or two <laughs> for the, the sequel chapter. <laughs> <laughs> this is what I love about these conversations. I think having gone through some of the experiences in my life that nearly cost me my life, I'm reminded daily to consistently try and live it. And we do get stuck in the things that you just said there of like, where's your other shoe and you know, making breakfast. And do you have to really eat like this many times a day? Um, <laughs> <laughs> all, all of those yes. things, we get stuck in that and we forget that, you know, live, enjoy. It's going to be over soon. And so if there was anything that I could ever share with anybody else, it's just have that gentle whispering reminder do the yeah. things that bring you passion because it's over really quickly yep passes by kids yeah. grow you exactly. grow you get old and 
all sorts of all sorts of things that come with that. Oh. And I've never really met an old person that went, wow, that went so slowly. No, that's right. Yeah. They're usually saying it went by so quickly. I wished that I'd taken more time to just experience mm. it and be in it instead of focusing on the next thing and the next thing in the future. And so I think that's a beautiful reminder to me. And also that unique experience of my kids, like, you know, they're about to move into their next phases of their life, which will probably be a little bit less of mum and more of them. And, mm. you know, I want to want to hold on to this, this space as, as long as I can before it's all over. I think that's very natural for all parents who have that desire and really want the best as much as you can. So, yeah, it's... Absolutely. Just creates a, a certain slowness and certain appreciation. I think we all mm-hmm. can be reminded of. So, yeah, absolutely. Even with the chaotic nature of having <laughs> seven children. <laughs> all right. If I stuff up one, I've got six more to try on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. Just yeah, from. My heart to yours, it's really exciting for me to be able to hear a little deeper and hear different ways and, like I said, different aspects of your story and what that means to you and how that can impact others. So, yeah. yeah. I love these conversations. I can't wait to hear all of them. Do you reckon you could handle having seven kids? I don't know that I possibly could. (laughs) Seven kids aside, there was so much inspiration and connection that I got from talking with Christina and I really absolutely hope that you received the same. Another inspirational story is Alex also known as Alejandra, which, oh gosh, my Aussie accent doesn't always get its tongue around. (laughs) Let's take a sneak peek at her episode. She took everything that she had, which essentially was just a suitcase and her pregnant belly, and moved to live with a completely new family in a country that she didn't know. She didn't know anybody there aside from my dad. And yeah, they're still to this day madly in love with each other. It's sometimes even annoying. (laughs) (laughs) And together they have carried on this immigrant journey. I'd love you to head over to lindabonnie.com. I gladly welcome you to the community. Thank you so much for joining us.